Welcome to another episode of A-Figure Focus. I'm your host, Ephraim Eggbelly, CPA, Managing Director of EFS Group PLLC, and also the host of this amazing podcast, A-Figure Focus. And today, this episode is for all of you in the hairstyling industry, right? I see a lot of conversation going on, on Instagram and everywhere. We're going to get down to a lot of things that is happening, right? And we're also going to talk about ways to really up-level your hairstyling business. So I have a guru in this industry. She's been doing this for a long, long time. Not only is she great at what she does, but she's a marketing genius. We're also going to talk about that too. We have Gabby Allen, owner of Shade Studio. How's it going? Going good. How's it going with you? It's going good. Thank you for coming into town. You're welcome. I know we've been talking about this for a long time. Yep. And you've been one of the biggest proponents of pushing me forward and getting this done. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. No problem. No problem. So how we do on A-Figure Focus is before we jump in, we like to talk about where you're from, how you got started. So can you tell everybody, you know, where you're from and where you grew up? And, yeah. Know, so I'm it? from New Orleans originally. Grew okay. up there, born, raised, still live there. Um, I got into this industry um, it's about 25. I went to cosmetology school mm, okay. um, and it took me three years to get through school only because I finished my hours early, but mm -hmm. I was paying for it by tuition out of pocket. Okay. So Wait, wait. So it takes shorter than three years, I guess? Yeah, it's like 1,500 hours. Okay. So the program itself took me a year, okay. but they don't let you take your tests until you've paid them completely off, right? Yeah. So you can leave and everything, but they're like, yeah. you're not taking a test until mm. we get our money. Okay. So, you know, um, so I spent another two years paying my tuition off completely, um, completely funded by blog money. And we didn't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> completely funded by blog money. Um, I was working behind the chair for a year before I realized that there was education that I needed, um, but I didn't mm. have the money to get it. So mm -hmm. I started working for a company called Joyco's Color Company. And in exchange for my time, they gave me education that would wow. otherwise have cost me an exponential amount of money. Wow. Now, they still paid me to go and work for them and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but the trade off, I mean, the pay wasn't super high, but the trade off was education. Mm -hmm. And I went from I hit six figures working for them in a year. Wait, wait, hold on. You hit six figures working for them. Yes. Within a year. Yes. Because, just based off of everything that they taught you and, and wow okay yep the color education just yeah. took it over the top obviously you me. can charge more and okay mm -hmm. and that's a skill that not too many have i would think not too many african-american hairstylists have interesting all right there's not a lot of good african-american colors okay it's like a unicorn type thing is there a reason why because it's chemistry mm -hmm. and we historically are more style oriented and not chemistry oriented. Yeah. Um, but I started doing color because I was getting bored. Yeah. I was doing like yeah. the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I'm kind of losing interest mm -hmm. in this. So color has had, um, had piqued my interest since I had been in school, but I didn't learn it in school and I didn't really know where to learn it. And I went to a class at one of my local wholesale suppliers one of the girls was a Joyco educator. She's an Asian. Um, she's actually a friend of mine now, but mm -hmm. um, she's an Asian woman. But after class, I asked her, you know, how did you get into this? Now, it wasn't even a color class. It was an updo class. 
And I asked her, well, how did you get into this? And she just freely gave me the information. So, and then I, I mean, it's going to sound weird, but then I stalked another educator online and then I did for a while and I DM'd her and I was like, hey, I see you are with Joyco. And she gave me the information. Mm. Now, prior to those two, every other company that I inquired with acted like it was some kind of secret society. Like they wouldn't give up the information or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, maybe I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. So really the people attracted me to Joyco more than anything Mm -hmm. um, because they were so free and they were so giving. And then when I I got there, I just soaked in everything that I could while I was with them. Wow. So, yeah. And fast forward, um, I went to instructor school, instructor training. I actually take retake my test in December Mm -hmm. to officially get my instructor's license. Um, and I learned more <laughs> color education because I went mm-hmm. to Paul Mitchell okay. for my instructor training. And they are like heavy with color. That's just about, that's, right. that's like the bulk of what they do. Interesting. So um, the reason that they even let me in the program was because of my knowledge of natural hair. Okay. I literally only had two classmates. Wow. That's how like hard yeah, it is. That's how, right. Yeah. So you and two other people, two other women. Two, yeah. Wow. And they, And literally my... Direct. I mean, I can say this now because she don't work for him no more. But she let me in, and she knew I didn't know color. Okay. And she was like, "But you better learn." Yeah. She was but like, "Like, like what, what was it about you that she saw that was like, I need to let her in?" Because I, because I know natural hair, and they were look, mm-hmm. they were looking to add that to their curriculum. Mm-hmm. They were looking to add African American hair to their curriculum, and not many people know it. Yeah. So, um, the she was like. The student, like, you have to learn quick because the students can't know. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say her name, but, you yeah. know. Shout out to her. <laughs> that, right. Thank the Lord for her, you yeah. know, putting her in my pad. Right. But um, I obsessed for three. Because even though I was working for Joyco at the mm-hmm. time, I still wasn't solid on, like, the color theory, right? Mm-hmm. So I obsessed over it for, like, a good three months. I'd literally, like, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a binge learner. Like when mm-hmm. I'm learning something, I completely immerse myself in right. it. There were times where I was on it called it the clinic classroom floor, which is basically like a mock. It's not really a mock salon. It actually is a salon. Mm-hmm. But when you're at a school, you get it at a discounted. The customers get it at a discounted rate because it's a school, right? Okay. Um, literally on the clinic classroom floor every day, and these students had no idea that I didn't know color. But wow. I was getting so far ahead of them yeah. that when they started asking questions, it just seemed like I knew everything. Mm. So, you know, obviously, if they watch this podcast, they're going to know why wow, right. she faked that. <laughs> 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 she faked that because I faked that. But yeah. I was like I said, I was completely immersing myself right. in it. So by the time month six came, I was like one of the primary instructors mm. that they were coming to. And I wasn't even. I was in training. I was in right. school, right? Yeah. So I was like between the instructors and a student. So like the, mm-hmm. the actual licensed instructors oversaw me, but I still had to act as an instructor, if that makes sense. So, right. but anything that I did or didn't do, the actual licensed instructors were responsible for. Nice. So yeah, that's, that's how that happened. <laughs> so you were at Joyco, you said within the first year you made six figures? Within the first week, yes. And then, so how long were you at Joyco before you left? Um, I left Joyco when COVID hit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but you started your business when? Uh, two thousand. COVID was two thousand twenty. So two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen, something like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So about like four to five years ago. 
You know what? No, I'm lying. It was longer than that because my one of my clients told me she's been coming to me for seven years and I had no idea. Okay. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it's been that long. Okay, so you were doing Joyco and then you had your business on, on the side, I guess, or at the same time. No, so with Joyco, it was like um, contract work, right? Okay. So they give you access to like all of these back-end trainers and stuff because they need okay. you to know it right. when they call you to go to a show, mm -hmm. right? Um, so... Uh, we would do, sometimes we would like actually get called to do trainings. As a matter of fact, my first, my intro training was in Dallas. Mm. Um, and once they trained us and stuff, like they would send us new products. They would send us all the new education because each color line has its own education. Like no two color lines are the same. So mm -hmm. I'm educated in like three of them mm -hmm. and learning the fourth one. Okay. So if you don't know it, you don't know like all of the intricacies of it. Like I can hand you a tube yeah. of it, but you're not going to be able to get the results that I get because I know it. Right. So, yeah. So what what made you cut the Joyco relationship off and just really go full into your business? Well, COVID. And honestly, yeah. they weren't hindering me because it was contract work. Mm -hmm. I was still working in the uh, in the salon like at the time, I think five days a week. Yeah. But when it was when they would call, I would just close my books and go. Okay. Yeah. So they it really wasn't a hindrance. It mm -hmm. was working hand in hand. Mm -hmm. But when COVID hit, you know, people have to downsize. No one, everybody was uncertain. Right. You know, I still like they're still really cool people. A lot of the educators I'm still cool with. Mm -hmm. Um, we're in a group text on Facebook, on Facebook Messenger. Yeah. We'll ask each other questions because a lot of us are in the same area. Okay. So you know, no, no, no love lost. Right. Just was like okay, these are trying times, you right. know. So that, that makes sense. A, yeah. So you were a blogger back in the day, right? We I spoke was. About that. I was. Like, how long ago was that? Um, I started blogging when I was twenty-one. I'm thirty-four. Wow. So thirteen. So about twenty two thousand nine. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And like you built up a nice following back then, I would think. With your yeah, blog. it was an accident. Um, yeah, talk about that. To be honest with you, um, I started going natural literally because I was bored and I was tired. I'm seeing this boredom thing. Yeah. It's, a recurring, it's a recurring theme. It is okay. a recurring thing. It's just like I get bored and then I learn stuff and right. then boom, money. Um, right, right. <laughs> so I was bored with my hair yeah. and I started to feel like I was like I looked like everybody else, like it was like this factory thing where like everybody had a relaxer, mm -hmm. everybody looked the same. And I was just mm -hmm. like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I had never seen my actual hair. Um, my One of my aunts used to tell me all the time that uh, I never needed a relaxer. It was just a lot of hair for my mom to handle. So she okay. gave me one for ease of her. I mean, she had six kids, four right. girls, right. two wow. boys. Well, yeah. You know, hair shit, you know, hair is an issue <laughs> when it's a lot, you know, so she was just trying yeah. to make a life easier. Um, but yeah. once I went natural, I remember I like I had my hair covered up for like an entire year. I got braids. I would take them down, um, mm -hmm. get my hair cut some, then put them back in. And I did this for an entire year. At the time, my dad was living in Georgia and I emailed him a picture of like my fro. Yeah. And he was like, I know that's not that's a wig, right? And I was like, no. He's like, that's re you really walking around like that? And I was like, but that, yeah. But that, that's how he used to walk around, right? No, that's exactly. <laughs> I have a picture. I have literally a picture of this. No, several pictures. Yeah. Of him with a fro. Okay. But it was like, it was jarring for me because yeah. it was like, you know, that's not, at the time, that wasn't the norm, right? right? Like guys, and at the time I was in a relationship. So he actually made a good point. Mike's made a good point. He was like, 
y'all women woke up one day and decided to go natural and y'all just want us to accept it. But, I, <laughs> but, but our mamas, our grandmothers been being fried, died, laid to the side yeah. for a long time. Like it took a long time for y'all to mm -hmm. accept it. Why y'all think we just gonna accept it overnight? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? He actually has a point. That's a point, right? That's a yeah. really great point, right? I was like, yeah, that's true. So once I started, to, it took me a while to figure out my hair. It took me, what, three years to figure out how to do a twist out. Mm. Like, literally trial and error. Um, but I just was like, I just started sharing the information online. It actually started off with a Tumblr and a Twitter account. Interesting. I don't know if you remember Tumblr. Do you remember mm -hmm. Tumblr? Yeah. It started off with a Tumblr blog and a Twitter account. Okay. And it just started growing like crazy. And I used mm -hmm. to do these natural hair chats every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And the number of the people that would be on it, like I'm young. I'm not thinking anything of it, right. right? Like I'm not thinking about my reach. It didn't really hit me until I did this series with hairstylists, like mm -hmm. as many natural hairstylists as I could find back then. Um, and the, it was this one specific one, Alicia Tucker. Uh, she's okay. located in Chicago. Uh, her brand is called iBaby Hair. It's cute, right? iBaby Hair. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, iBaby Hair. <laughs> so I did an interview with her asking her about her experiences being a natural hairstylist in a climate that did not, at the time, didn't support that. Mm -hmm. um, and we wrote the story up, put it on my blog, and it went viral. And like she contacted me and was like, my clientele has exploded because of you. Wow. And that's when it really hit me my reach. Mm -hmm. Cause I was just doing like I was just doing it. I was right. like, okay. Yeah. Cool. This is cool, right? Um, then people started offering me free products. Mm -hmm. Then people started offering me to be on stage and stuff. Then people started offering me money. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this could actually be a thing. Right. Um, so similar to, you know, how we are with business, you find a community. I found a community of bloggers mm -hmm. and they started to put me on like opportunities, different companies that were paying bloggers, um, different sponsored rates and stuff like that. So I was actually a full-time blogger for a little bit. Nice, nice. So, cause I remember blogging was such a big deal back then, yeah. right? Yeah. I remember a lot of the blogs, especially like the blogs before, like the popular pages on um, Instagram have come up like Shade Room and stuff yeah. like that. Like before that, there was a lot of blogs yeah um i'm not gonna lie i used to read a few of them <laughs> <laughs> did yeah. used to read a few of them but okay so then so now you're on instagram you're on all the platforms you have a really big following on instagram like i want to say last time i checked it was like in the 120s 128 128,000. yeah did you have to start over that following or did a lot of them like kind of find you from your blogging days um, a lot of them found me from my blogging thing days, but when I got behind the chair, I think I was only at like forty five thousand. Okay. Forty or forty five thousand. Okay. And once I started, uh, kind of transitioning the page from me to hair, mm -hmm. my clients. That's when it really started to explode. Right. So yeah, so that happened. So let let's talk about your studio, right? Mm -hmm. You've had the studio since twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Um, do no, you... it was 2020. 2020 was when you had, okay. 2021, I'm lying. Oh, 2021. Wait, I'm lying again. It's 2020. <laughs> I'm trying because it's COVID. You know, COVID has like the years. It has fried our brains. But yeah, it's for real. But then I'm like, I'm, I remember coming off lockdown, I started building it mm -hmm. in July of 2020. Okay. Yeah, because I was renting at a friend's salon while I was building that salon. Right. So, so that's before... why it's foggy. So you have your own salon. Mm-hmm. 
But before then, you were renting out of a salon. I was renting out of a suite before that. Out of a, out yeah. of, out of a salon suite. Yeah, at a salon suite. And before okay. that, I was actually renting out of... I had been at three other salons prior to that. Okay. So, But while I was building it, I moved out of the salon suite and just started renting a um, chair at uh, a friend of mine's, a cut cost. Okay. Because the salon suite, I mean, in comparison to other cities, I was paying like 1000 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but... By her, it was like 150 a week, whatever that is. I don't do math without calculators, so whatever that is, I don't even remember. Yeah. Uh, you probably know better than I do. <laughs> uh, but I was cutting costs because I was funneling so much money into my salon. Mm-hmm. And it was really my personal savings, yeah. which I didn't know better at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, use other people's money. I know right. that now. Right. But at the time, I didn't know. So um, I was paying for that, and I was... Uh, building a salon and I still have my online stuff and everything so yeah I don't even know how I got through that period yeah. it was literally it had to be the Lord because there's that no other way foggy and <laughs> it's so much so was foggy because I remember during that time you know me and Rita we had the boys they were like one years old one oh wow half. really yeah and we're like working on zoom they're in the background destroying everything and Not people who are on zoom stuff. are watching all the destruction <laughs> Right. And and so much business was coming in at that time. And it's like you look back, you're like, how in the world did I juggle that right. without getting a haircut for like a year? That's crazy. Really how did I not crazy. lose my mind? That's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So you you have your own salon. How has that experience been versus renting out of a salon suit? <sighs> the money I spent on mm. that place. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really like I was prepared. To make the financially, I was prepared to make the investment. Mm-hmm. Mentally, I was not. Right. I wasn't. Um, you know, you have extra bills. It's it's everything's on you. With a salon suite, it's like you pay them the fee; they handle everything right. else. Renting like, a like chair, like an apartment, exactly. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, you rent a chair; they handle everything. But now, like, if something's going wrong, it's totally on me. Right. So. For honestly, this is I, I've never even told anybody this story. For an entire year. Wait, wait, this is the eight-figure focus exclusive. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. For an entire year, I didn't pay my electricity bill. Okay. But my electricity was on the whole time. Wow. It was under somebody else's name. Black people, we always find a loop. We always find a loophole <laughs> through everything, right? How many of you, if you didn't have to pay your electricity bill for a year, wouldn't pay it? I'm just saying. <laughs> and okay. it, it, it really, it, because I had so much other stuff going on. Right, you were busy and everything. Yeah, it didn't dawn on me, like, how is your electricity on and you ain't paying no bills, right. you know, on it. Um, it didn't It didn't happen until they cut it off. Okay. And I was trying to figure out, like, why the electricity Wait, so off? did you have to pay, like, the backlog of everything that you I did Wow. I did. I did. Um, the guy that was in there before me, he never told them that he left. And he never disconnected the electricity. So because of COVID, Mm. they weren't pursuing it, right? Right. So then when things started to go semi-normal again, you know, then it was kind of like red flag, Mm -hmm. you know. Now, luckily, by the grace of the Lord, I had the money to pay for it. But it was a very much unexpected bill Mm -hmm. that I wasn't expected to pay for. But that's just like one of those, you know, ownership things, you know. How did you have the money? Like, are you, did you have like, let's say a savings somewhere that you were putting money aside for just emergencies? Yeah. So I've grown, like, I've grown up in a church uh, my whole life. My grandfather's a pastor, right? Uh, My dad is a teacher of the word. My uncles 
I've learned a lot from them. A lot of the concepts and stuff that I, the, the mental approaches I take to my business are biblical based mm. because it's been basically plainly spelled out to me, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a scripture that says, put oil in your vessel and in your lamp, mm. right? So when I was young, you know, I always heard that it meant save money, right? right. Have money to spend and have money in your savings. Like mm -hmm. it's literally a teaching Right. that the Lord Jesus teaches, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, when you're young and stupid with money, right. something, I don't care how much somebody drills something in your head, right. you don't get it, right? Mm -hmm. So I took, once I got in business, I started taking that, I started thinking back to those teachings and I started taking that approach, right? Mm -hmm. So I always had uh, emergency savings for my business, for my salon, regular savings, checking account. I would pay stuff ahead of time because there's another, Grow, being taught this growing up, there's another scripture that says prepare beforehand. So I apply mm -hmm. that to my life. Like even down to my bills, like my rent is paid up two months in advance. Okay. Because I don't want y'all telling me nothing, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want y'all to tell me anything. But two, it seriously is I really take a biblical approach when it comes to my business. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to, you know, I'm not going to say that I've perfected this skill because I have it. But mm -hmm. I try to do it to the best of my ability. But I really saw the benefits of it when I got into situations like those. Right. And I, I'm not gonna lie, it's, even though I had it, I didn't want to give it to them. Right. You know, it wasn't like- No one wants to give away money. No, nobody wants to give it away. But it was like, at least it was there. I was right. thankful that I had taken heed to it because like, at least it was there. Right. You know, because I, I do understand there are people who didn't have my upbringing, who the, the scriptures weren't that clear to, you know, mm -hmm. like, you see what I'm saying? Like the practical, Right. application of it so I can't I like try my best not to take credit for it it's not like I'm this gene I'm not that smart it's just <laughs> it's how I was taught you know growing yeah. up I, I tried my best to apply those principles to every my personal life my business everything and I mean it works mm -hmm. out in my favor yeah so you have your own salon do you have people that work for you like not work for you, but, you know, work within your salon as hairstylists? Not anymore, I don't. I'm actually in the process of rehiring. Okay. Um, so there's, it depends on what you do, right? In the summertime, things get really slow if you don't do braids. Like, right. if you're a braider, it picks up. Yeah. If you don't, like, every family's gone on vacation, kids right. out of school, all that good stuff. Um, and it usually picks up in October. So I have a good friend out here who's a hairstylist, uh, and she, well, I think her, she makes like 500000 a year, and she does, that's just her. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. You just said that so nonchalant. She makes how much? Like, <laughs> like 500000 a year. 500000 But that's a just, year that's what our staff, without, that's, wait. that's just her doing extensions. Hold on, let, let's, let's slow down. Um, she makes, all I heard was <laughs> she makes $500,000 a year by herself? Yes. With no staff? No staff, none. Doing hair? Just doing hair. Maybe we should come back to that, but I, I'm, I'm definitely. <laughs> so going I, I to made work. a point. To, I, mean, yeah. I made a point to say it because say even I talked to her. She was like, "Yeah, things are even slow for me. Like mm. uh, the period, the slow period was way yeah. longer than it usually than is." Right. And I was like, "What's going on?" Right. So during that time, I'm just being completely honest. I've you know lost staff or whatnot, which mm -hmm. is fine because you know I I wish the best for my people no matter what. Right. So I'm in the process of rebuilding. But before that, I did. I had about. Two people working for me virtually, uh, three people actually in the salon. Okay. Oh, so wow. Wait, two people virtually? Yeah, like assistants and oh, okay, okay. handling. I was like, like wow, you, you got people doing hair virtually. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know that was possible. Right, I wish. You know, but I do have a, I do have a, a concept behind that brewing in my head. I'm just trying to yeah. 
slow myself down because I got some other projects coming up. Yeah. But I do have a concept behind it. Isn't it exciting mind. when you have like an idea? Yeah. And it's like, wait, I should be focused on what I'm doing, right. but this idea just keeps nagging. But that's the me. beauty of business, right? Eight figure focus. <laughs> <laughs> it's right? the beauty of business. It like, is. You can like come up with an idea and literally watch it come to fruition, right? right? Um, but you gotta have the support to make sure that you're not yeah. letting the balls drop on the way. The ideas that I have normally get rolled out two years from whenever I have the idea. That's fair. You know what? I think I feel I feel the same way about this one was six years, but you know, was it normally, really? Yeah, that's crazy. 2016. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I feel like. But that two too. years is on average. I like yeah. compartmentalize it in my head. I'm like, okay, let me park it back here. This is good. Yeah. I'm going to focus on everything else, but I'm going to yeah. do that. Yeah, because it took me about two years to launch my academy, my online academy. So that's about right. We got to talk about right. that too. Yeah. So your ladies that used to work for you, mm -hmm. how would you pay them? Right. Because in the hairstyling world, from what I've seen, right, with my clients, you have booth rent, you have commission, you have hourly pay. Mm hmm what what was your preferred method of payment? Mine was hourly, but they also got a, a chance to uh, make more money by coming with me to teach. Mm -hmm. And I used to pay them like a, a day rate nice. for that. So, and I also provided education for them, whether I was educating them or I paid for a class or something like that. So I incentivized them, you know, to stick around. Uh, on the average, it was about two years for, for them that they mm -hmm. stayed there. Um, I finally figured that out. On average, people stay with me about two and a half years. Okay. Um, but the reason I chose hourly was for stability. Right. Right, because in this industry you don't really have stability on com even mm -hmm. most commission salons, unless you have a really high volume salon, most and even if you do, the owners want you to go out and get your clientele right, right and pay them a part of the commission. Because I mean, to be fair, they are fronting the products, fronting all of the equipment, all right, and everything. Um, but you know, when things are slow, things are slow, mm -hmm. right? And there is also a law being rolled out. It's already started in California. Um, basically, the government is getting hold of our industry saying, okay, we are giving you guys money for schools, right? So on mm. av the average cosmetology education for a year is $25,000. That's okay. just school. That's not other advanced education. That's right. literally just school for a year. So they're basically like, the government's like, we're giving you guys student loans, but there is no guaranteed employment because every mm. school guarantees you wow. placement, but it usually doesn't happen, right? Right. Um, so what's happening is hairstylists are getting out and they're defaulting on their loan. So the government isn't looking at the students. They're looking at the schools and they're like, why should we keep giving y'all money if no right. one's coming out with employment are paying because in this industry you can get paid under the table like wow. you graduate from school with your license like if i don't want to accept cards i don't have to right. i can accept all cash you know if i wanted to be a, a cheaper hairstylist and just do volume i could make a ton of money mm -hmm. that the irs never tracks right? right so that in turn bleeded over to the salons and it was like okay what is the pay structure here mm -hmm. and every major change in our industry starts in california right yeah so what they did was they started telling them to level the playing field so let's say we have like an open floor like this right you walk mm -hmm. in a salon someone has a booth where you're at someone has a booth where i'm at right that's no longer you can no longer call that a commission salon in california wow like that you have to pay them i think it's double minimum wage coming out of school 
So minimum wage in California is fifteen yep. an hour. So you gotta pay at minimum thirty dollars an hour. Coming out of school. Coming out of school. Right. Because they have an education, they have a degree now. Yeah. So it's like their way of leveling the employment right. field, right? Um but if you have like salon suites and stuff, yeah. then that can be considered booth rent. Right. But a open floor salon and I've talked to a few uh, hairstylists in California, and some of the owners say it works, and you know it, it's been working out well. At first, they were on the fence about it, but if you have a stylist in your salon that has been working commission and she's making six figures on commission, right? She might not be too happy with that switch. No, <laughs> no. she might, unless you can make her hourly wage the equivalent right. of the salary she was making before, mm -hmm. but. In essence, that's what's happening. The government is like peeking behind a curtain and they're like, you know, in order for us to pay back the loans, them to pay yeah. back the loans, we need you salon owners to make this uh, change. And again, that's already started in California. Usually it bleeds over to the rest uh, of the states. Everything, first of all, everything starts <clears throat> in California, I've noticed. <laughs> but this information that you just gave just blew my mind, right? Because it makes so much sense. Right. I'm going to school. I'm getting this degree, this education, but I'm graduating and there's nowhere for me to work that's going to pay me hourly at minimum. Right, 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 right. And so normally whenever I go to school and I get a degree in the hairstyling world, I'm thinking that most people are probably just going to go, if they can't find somewhere to work, they're going to go do their own hair. I mean, like do, do hair booth outside. Of, right. Yeah, booth, booth rental or out work their from, house. From home, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and so now... If the revenue, if the income is inconsistent, then obviously you can't pay this loan back, right? right? So you're giving all this money to the schools. The schools are benefiting, but the government's not getting the benefit and their, their money back, right? Right. right? Wow. So I have this conversation with a lot of my clients, right? Because mm -hmm. you have a few that when they come in, they're doing booth rent. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, I, booth rent's cool for those of you who want to do it, but it limits you in how much you can make because... Booth rent is all about how much space do I have. The real more, estate. Real estate. The more space, the more real estate I have, the more stylists I can put into that space right. and collect the money. Right. Um, I know there's, um, I met like a salon suite owner, a salon park owner here mm -hmm. years ago that was doing like a million dollars a year mm -hmm. in that, but he had like 72 locations. I mean, Jeez. two uh, say 72 suites in his oh, salon okay. park. Gotcha. And they were all fully booked. That sounds like my dream. <laughs> <laughs> sounds right. like my dream. Because I want to own salon suites. That's actually what I want to do. Yeah. Um, this current salon that I had actually was never meant to be what it is. It mm -hmm. really was for capital. Really. Okay. Like, I was like, okay, I'm going to booth rent and take that money, run the salon, and um, build my capital. But what I found was happening my students, like my old students, were reaching out to me. And I mean, I have a soft, I have a soft spot for my students. I, do. Mm -hmm. I have a soft spot for my students. So I couldn't see myself not giving them some form of stability, mm -hmm. which is how this was, this other stuff was born, right? right. Kind of changing my own, my own plan up uh, in like, okay, how can I best offer them what I didn't have? Because mm -hmm. I didn't have guidance um, in this industry. The only guidance I had, believe it or not, was the guidance from the hairstylist that I had made friends with when I was a blogger. Mm. Like, those are the only ones that I, like, you know, thank the Lord for them. Because mm -hmm. when I would reach out, it's crazy relationship building, right? Right. Stuff doesn't pay off for you till years later, mm. right? So, I mean, because I never wanted to be a hairstylist. This was right. not in the plan, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, 
reaching back out to them because I knew they were more seasoned than me. They were, you know, happily, openly giving me information as best they could when it came to like the business side of it. So this salon that I have now is really is really supposed to be for capital so I can open my salon suits mm. uh, because my goal is to open a training center and um, salon suites. You could definitely do that. You can. Um, there's so many ways you can do your salon suites, right? Like yeah. leveraging other people's money, like you said. Thanks. You know, we could talk about that off camera, but and then maybe <laughs> maybe one episode we might talk about that in full. You know, I think that's an important thing. To yeah, because that's about. a. I will say this: this industry is very um, gated. I was extremely yeah. gated. I can, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely imagine. So we talked about. Let, let's go back real quick, right? So we have booth rent, we have commission, we have hourly. Mm -hmm. So booth rent, in my opinion, is the worst. <laughs> then second is commission. Commission mm -hmm. is a you know that's that's decent. Yeah. But the sweet spot is hourly. I and that's feel also that way the hardest. Too. I would think. It depends. I think it depends on how you present it, right? Um, it's all on how you present it. Yeah. So and even with commission, right? I used to work for. I did the marketing. For before I became licensed, I did marketing for a salon based out of Seattle, like completely from home. I was working for mm. New Orleans, and when I applied for the job, it was actually an intern position. Um, but mm. when she found out my experience, she was like, "Well, how much you want, you know, or whatever." And I told her, so I became like her marketing manager, and she was the first African American woman I had been exposed to that not only had a successful salon, but she had like seven stylists. It was booked eight wait, wait, weeks wait, wait. Hold out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. She's in Seattle and she's African American. Yeah, well, she sold the salon. She actually okay. sold the salon. She sold the salon, moved to Hawaii to on a farm with her husband at wow. the time. Like it was an Airbnb out her house. It was crazy. I was like, you are goals. Yeah. But she, yeah. um, what? She had seven stylists, and they were all on commission. Okay. But she was booked eight. The salon, the whole salon was booked eight weeks out at a time. Right. Um, she had like a six figure salary, but she yeah. wasn't behind the chair. She had products. Uh, she was building out her website because I oversaw that build out. Mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of stuff. And I remember, because prior to meeting her, all I knew was booth rent, right? right? And I remember, like, as we were on a call one day, and I was like, I have a serious question to ask you, right? Because I'm, like, doing the math. <laughs> I, I, can, I can see you. you. You don't really hide questions. Yeah, right? I'm like, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, they had 401ks. They had paid vacation. Mm -hmm. They had everything. And like I said, prior to, prior to meeting her, I only ever knew booth rent. Right. So I was like, how are you? Like, I said, are your stylists booth rent? She said, no, they're on commission. And I was like, well, how does that work? And she like. What was her commission split? Uh, I don't remember, to be honest with you. But I know it was enough to where she was still making a six-figure salary and she right. was not behind the chair. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. like, And we, she actually just called me a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually still in contact nice. and stuff. I, I try to I try to uh, get her to do education, but she refuses. Really? Yeah, because I would like tell him like you are so needed. It's not even funny. Right. Um, but she 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 like I'm she done. she's living that good life. Yeah, she she's done. She's over. So we we said booth rent was the worst, right? Commission <laughs> the worst. Commission is is um second, right? But mm -hmm. it's all on how you do the commission, right? Like if you the can commission and hourly, yeah. Right. If you can get a commission split, which for many is hard, yeah. right? But if you can get a commission split of 70 30 65 35 with mm -hmm. the 70 or 65 going to you 
Yeah. And the 30 or 35 go into the stylist. But that's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> right. Happen. Unless you're like a magician and like selling that to the stylist. Or, or unless whatnot. you're really high priced. Right. You said it's like you're, you have to, in order to give somebody a decent uh, a decent paycheck at 30 or 45%, your your services have to be yeah. either that or you have to and have then, some serious quantity. Yeah. Right. So serious volume coming in. Um, and the reason that I personally have never been a fan of commission is because I, like looking at the bigger picture, mm -hmm. I really believe the salon owner can't serve their stylist the way they need to yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. Um, because I mean, and you're, you would know better than me, mm -hmm. you know, looking at the back end of it is like, where is, how much money is actually going into the business if I'm paying out all of this right. money and then you have, as the owner, you still have to live. And that, and that's one of the things that, you know, whenever we get clients in the industry that we have to fix, right? Because a lot of times the money that's going out of commission, it's going, it could be 80, it could be 70% to the stylist. Right. And that 20, 30 is to the owner. Right, right. right. And so you're trying to take care of your stylist, but essentially, you're at a, a, a negative. You're at like a, not a good spot, right? right? Because right, right. that 20, 30 percent that you have coming in, you have to use that to pay yourself and your rent, products, marketing, you need support staff, you supporting might staff, right? Yeah. So you get burnt out. Yeah. Quick. Yeah. Right. So it's all a numbers game, right? Which right. is why I like hourly, like you like it, mm -hmm. right? Because okay, you're coming in. You're gonna work. I don't know, six to eight hours. Right. Hopefully. We're going to have you filled up, you know, to where you can work six to eight hours right. and, you know, generate a nice amount of money right. per head. Right. And then I pay you a nice amount of money per hour. Right. And now I know every month that, OK, this is how much I'm going to pay Gabby. Right. So right. I can easily forecast that out. Right. right? And then I can track how much um, I'm making off of each head that's coming in. Right. The issue, though, I see is that. A lot of stylists got to get really, really cold at marketing. Yeah, and so that is an issue, right? Because when you come into a salon that is hourly or commission-based, you you know, especially if the clientele is flowing through and you didn't have to do nothing but show right. up to work, you know, why would I market myself? Like, right. I don't have to. You know, you're, you're doing all of the work for me. All mm -hmm. I need to do is show up to work. And I think hourly has been criminalized because the idea that if I go boothering, I'll make way more than I am on hourly. And it's not that you won't, it's just that you don't, like most stylists don't factor in the expenses. Right. Right. Like if I could have started at a salon that was hourly and I had upward mobility. Mm -hmm. Benefits, all that. All I had to do was show up to work. Yeah. Sign me up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and there's women up. out there that would do that, I right. would think. Not right. everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, I guess right. you could say. Right, right. But there we, are a we're lot in of... that space where we think everybody wants to be that. Right, because we want to be one. Right. Yeah, and everybody, so there are, there are people looking for job security even in this industry, but. So how many, outside of your, um, would you call her a mentor? The one in Seattle? What do you mean, what did I call her? Would would you call her a mentor? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Okay. Definitely, definitely. So your mentor in Seattle, outside of her and what she did, how many other stylists in the industry have done something similar? Because she had upper mobility, I would think. She had benefits. Yeah. yeah. She had the whole everything was set. Yeah. And then you said she sold it. She sold it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So look how attractive that kind of model is to someone that's gonna buy that wants to buy. Right. 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 And then she was in a really good spot, um, in Seattle. 
yeah. because her the the clients that were booking weren't just in from they were coming from Canada. Mm. They were coming from like all of the surrounding areas, right. literally coming in. I would think she, her competition was would possibly be less than if yes, she was in like she an was Atlanta. A, or she was a hell of a marketer. Yeah, she was. But that's why she brought me on mm-hmm. um, to expand it. But right. she 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 even did movie showings. Yeah. Like had people come and watch movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, so she she really as they're getting their hair done. No, 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 like separate oh. from the salon, but connected to the salon. Like good hair, like the name of the salon was good hair, but good hair presents yeah. like this movie showing, right? Okay. Um, but that attracted people um she was also very personable yeah very personable um and she was she wasn't afraid to get her hands dirty so if let's say the front desk person went out or you know whatever left got fired what she Mm -hmm. would jump in now what she didn't do was jump in behind the chair because she didn't want to give her clients the idea that she was back right right right. (laughs) and so that's that's like we i definitely want to cover that right because Mm -hmm. i I like this hourly conversation that we're having Mm -hmm. Because it frees up more money right. to do things, right. right? But it's only going to really work if you get become really, really great at marketing and you're right. able to get women coming in and out every right. single day to make sure that your stylists are fully at capacity. Right. Because right. once they're fully at capacity, you could literally walk away from the chair. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I wanted to have that conversation with you because I know a lot of stylists, they get burnt out, right? Yeah. And you want to get from behind the chair. You yeah. even said earlier, you don't want to be behind the chair like forever. I don't. Right. And it's like, how do we create an actual business in this industry, make it more professional? Right. 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 So that we can do those type of things. Yeah. And it looks like your mentor, you know, figured it out and just walked away. Yeah. But she was they were still on commission, but they still they were very happy where they were. Right. Um, Because I used to have to call a salon since I was doing the marketing. I used to have Mm -hmm. to call the salon and be like, you know, I need your pictures. I need your videos. I need, your, you know, so they were they were happy. Where they were working at. Um, I just think, like I said, the the hourly model gets criminalized, especially when you don't explain it right. to stylists to say, like, hey, in order for us to grow, this is what needs to happen. Right. Versus, like, I'm the owner, do what I say. You know, this right. is, you know, they're not, you know, puppets. Right. They're still people, you know, mm-hmm. and this is already a very high turnover industry. Mm-hmm. If you had a model to wear, whether somebody walks in the door or not, I still get paid. Cause I mean, I had people. You know, when I had people on hourly, I had people that canceled. Guess what? I still had to pay them. Mm-hmm. And look, one of my st- one of my stylists, she was uh, somebody canceled. She was on TikTok making videos. And <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm right. not like, if I trust you, I'm not a micromanager. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, like because it's not your fault they canceled. Right. You know, she because that person canceled, she had a gap of time for the for the next client came. So she was just making TikTok videos. Right. But she still got paid for that. Mm-hmm. So. It creates stability for everybody, but I think because in this industry, the idea of hourly is taboo. Right. It's it's something that has to be explained mm-hmm. and really like shown like, okay, this is the benefit of you being on hourly. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. I think it's a great conversation. We talked about marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And how you have to become really, really great at marketing as mm-hmm. a hairstylist. And there's hairstylists that I know that are really, really good. And their work is so good that they have a wait list, right? Yeah. But they can't service everybody. Right. And then because you're so busy working on everyone's head, you can't train the next person. Right. You can't manage them properly because right. you're running in and out of the salon trying to make sure that you hit your appointments. Right. Um, how do they become better at marketing? You're a marketing genius, I feel. Oh, thank you. You know, um, 
you were a marketing manager for your mentor. Mm -hmm. You've built your Instagram following. You've built TikTok. You've built all these platforms. Like, what are some strategies that they can employ to help them get more clients? I would say to educate more. Um, mm. One of the issues when the natural hair movement started, well, I can say this because I was at the beginning of it. Mm -hmm. People start, like, it never started off as, let me tell people how to do their hair. I'm just telling you what I do with my hair. Right. Right. But the issue was there was no education out there. Hairstylists weren't showing up. Mm -hmm. They weren't showing up online. And honestly, the ones that were showing up, um, Raymond Terragano, uh, uh, Monet Everett. Mm -hmm. At that time, the theory was the game is sold, not told. Mm -hmm. And these two were telling it right. on YouTube. Right. But they were given the education that was needed. So it was attracting people and they got a lot of flack. You know, I wasn't a hairstylist at the time, but. I've, they've told me their stories there several times, and they got a lot of flag from their industry right. counterparts because they were giving it out. But it's like, you know, if you don't educate the people, this is what we do. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. If you don't get it, if if you don't give it to them, someone else is going to give it to them, and that's exactly what happened, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, I still see it happening to this day that hairstylists aren't showing up online and actually educating because they feel like if I tell you what products. I'm using, you're not going to come to me. Right. If I tell you how to do this, you're not going to come to me. But that's not true. You know, it takes, what, 10,000 hours to master a skill. I've mm. served my 10,000 hours. No matter what I tell you, no matter what I show you, you're not going to be able to you do this. You can't duplicate it. Right, because you don't have the practice that I have. Right. So I think, you know, the biggest thing is getting out of your own head and getting out of your own way that mm. somebody's trying to take something from you. Right. And if anything, educating online attracts more people to you because right. they want to know right and hairstylists for the most part will never not have a job because i don't even like doing my own hair <laughs> <laughs> like, right. I mean, people people can learn till the cows come home but most people just want to operate in what they're good at yeah. right and and they could try they could trial and error of course you're gonna have some people that figure it out but that's not the masses, right? Right? Because I mean, I think you could say the same thing. You can learn. You can go on YouTube and take classes right. and learn. A but are you going to have the patience and the wherewithal to do that constantly? Right. Probably not. Because mm -hmm. I'm a person who does not like math. Right. right? I like money, <laughs> but I don't like you don't math. Like math. Right. <laughs> you know. So yeah. of course, I. But I can only handle it for so long before it's like I've had enough. Yeah. You know. Um. So I would say. The biggest thing out here right now is people want to be educated on their hair, yeah. you know, and they want you to basically prove yourself through the noise before they decide to book an appointment with you. Mm. So that's part of marketing. Like, right. you, and it doesn't have to be anything super complex. I think people overthink it. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I was I was in I was eight figure focus. You can yeah I don't, yeah I'm, I'm saying with the I'm not gonna say where it was, but okay I was teaching in New York and it was it was hairstylist, but I was teaching them like how to detangle our hair. Mm. Like to me, that's a simple skill, but to right. them it wasn't. So if these hairstylists don't know, mm -hmm. the consumers definitely don't know. don't know. Yeah, right. so. It's simple stuff like that, you know, how to detangle mm -hmm. hair, um, what brush you should use, which detangler should I use, should I get my hair trimmed? Mm -hmm. Like, that is a that is a source of contention on my page. Right. Like, every time I do a haircut, I did, I, matter of fact, I just did a Facebook Live 
what's the date? Saturday? I don't know. I struck the date. The Saturday, Saturday, right? Yeah. I did a Facebook Live Thursday. Mm-hmm. My client came in to get a haircut. It was a new client. She came in to get a haircut. And people were hyperventilating in the comments. Mm. But as I was doing it, I was teaching them and explaining to them why they yeah. needed to get their haircut because they don't understand it. Right. There is trauma linked to African American women and our hair. Mm. Um, everybody thinks whatever the auntie did when he was five is still affecting the hair now. It's like, nah, sis, stop giving that lady that charge. <laughs> right. It's you. It's you. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's you. And, and I'm not faulting you for not knowing what you're doing mm-hmm. because we've also adapted this idea that black people are born knowing how to do hair. Right. You know, I mean, do you cut your own hair? No. (laughs) I have no desire to. Right. Would you ever try to cut your own hair, right? So there's just like they think all of us are athletic or all of us can dance. Like we bought into those ideas too, right? Um, Because there is a source of shame for a mom who doesn't know how to braid and she Mm. looks like us, but it's like, why? Right. You know, like you're you're an engineer. Why would you know how to braid? You know, that Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. This has been a great conversation so far, you know, and one of the things that I definitely want to cover is pricing, mm-hmm. right? Because I feel like that's been a big issue, not only in the hairstyling industry, but just in business in general. Some of the prices that I've seen people come up with, I'm like, where did you come up with that? Mm-hmm. You know, you're just pulling it out of the sky, or maybe you're looking at um, what your competitors might charge, or you're looking at how your consumer, the person who's buying from you, would want to pay. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's not the exactly that's like the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't think a lot of stylists charge enough. They don't. But then when you go on social media, the style of uh, consumers, the ladies are saying the stylists are overcharging. Right. Right. So I see that all the time where there's like a everyone's on different wavelengths. Right. 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 Let's talk about that. Right. Like with the pricing, how do you? How should someone come up with pricing? Because you you coach students. You have people that you coach. Yeah. How do you coach them to come up with pricing? Well, I actually have a whole pricing guide in the ebook that I have. Look at that. It's an entire pricing guide. The book is literally called How to to Get Clients and Price Like a Boss. And there's like a pricing formula in there, right? Mm -hmm. Don't ask me what it is right now because I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. And they Um, should pay for it. (laughs) They should. They should (laughs) pay for it. Uh, But there's a pricing formula in there to help. So personally, me... When I first started, I kind of, um, just like everybody else, I looked around to see what everyone around me was charging. Because mm-hmm. when you're in a salon space, you usually go by what the person next to you right. is charging, right? Um, but as I started to learn more, and I started to be exposed to more, mm-hmm. I was like, this math ain't mathing, right. right? I will never forget, I was at an event with Joyco. And all of the less melanated folks, I'm not just talking about white people, I'm talking about all of them. All of the less melanated folks were purchasing a $7,000 bowl for the salons, right? It was a really nice bowl. It had all of these cool amenities and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. But I was thinking to myself, we do the same thing. Nothing is right here. Like, what's going on? So all of my other uh, counterparts, counterparts at Joico, I started to ask some questions. I was like, so... What are y'all charging? What are you charging? And I was the only African-American one there with the exception of maybe one other one who was a trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started asking them like questions, right? So then I started to like 
really start to question how did you come up with these prices and why do you feel like the amount of work that you do is only worth this right mm -hmm. so for example people feel like braids I, I hear this one all the time i don't even do braids but i hear this one all the time braids should be 150 dollars for like waist length braids mm -hmm. that take eight hours right. and i'm not gonna see you for three months right that math doesn't make yeah, sense. That's right. that's less than a hundred dollars a month, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's less than a hundred dollars. So, like, what I I teach my students, I'm like, hey, go use the pricing guide in my book. But at the same time, I want you to consider how often are you going to see this client? Right. If they're getting braids, you probably won't see them for two and a half months to three months, more than likely three months. Mm -hmm. So, in three months' time, if they're what one hundred and fifty dollars, that's what fifty. That's not even seventy five dollars. Like fifty dollars right. a month. Yeah, that's fifty dollars a month. Mm -hmm. Like, is your work only it's worth fifty dollars a month? Fifty dollars a month. Right. Yeah. So that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, challenging that thought pattern, right? And because as much as people say, you know, they want to go to the hair uh, uh, salon more frequently. I don't think that is that they don't. I just think people's lives get busy, right? So when you're talking about specialty services like color, which I specialize in, textured extensions, extensions, which I specialize in, right? Mm -hmm. With color, I'm not African American women. No matter what I say, not they're not gonna come get their hair toned, like right. because the, the color fades off, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not gonna look how it originally looked when I did it because this isn't real. This isn't nature. Nature is gonna take its course, mm -hmm. right? Um, so. Most of the time, they don't come get their hair toned up. But when you come get your color, like most my colors go up as high as $600, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm okay with not seeing you no more after that. Right. I don't feel cheated. Mm -hmm. I feel like, and I, do I want to see you again? Yes, because I'm very attached to my art form, mm -hmm. right? Um, but if you don't, right. cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a you choice. What do you say to the women that will probably say, all these stylists are raising their prices, but our salaries don't really match the pricing that's out there. So we're not able to really afford what's being charged. What business do you know runs ba based on a customer's mm. salary? Yeah. I don't know any besides this industry. When people get in their feelings and feel, you know, get their emotions. <laughs> this isn't an emotional thing. <laughs> like right. This is business, right? Yeah. Now, of course, you're going to have your clients. They pull on your heartstrings because they've been with you for a while, right? Mm -hmm. um, but can you feed your family with feelings? No. When they mm -hmm. call for your car note, you're going to be like, you know, I feel like I shouldn't pay this. Right. And they're going to be like, I feel like we should repo it. Mm. You know, <laughs> like, you know. And that's facts. That's not feelings. That's actually going to happen. Right. You know? So, I mean, I find that because we work so close with our um, clients mm -hmm. and you build this relationship, yeah. you it becomes more of a friendship than business. Right. right? And I have clients that I'm friends with, but they also completely understand, like, no matter how cool we are, she is still going to charge right. me. Like, it, it doesn't change because this is my livelihood. Right? Yeah. I'm not in here doing this for fun. Historically, African American women hairstylists and barbers have severely undercharged, mm -hmm. severely, and I think the consumer got used to that right. because the core thing is hair is hair is not a need. Hair is a luxury. Hair is not a need. It's not hair a need. Hair is a luxury. 
COVID proved that. Right. You know, everybody went to the back to their factory default settings. We didn't have eyelashes. We didn't have extensions. We didn't have nails. We oh, didn't have anything. <laughs> Everybody just regular. Yeah. How you came here? Yeah. It was a full factory reset, right? Right. So you don't need hair to live. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a want, not a need, right? But there are also hairstylists for every level of income, right? Mm. The issue is people. Wait a minute. There's hairstylists for every level of income. Right. I like that. Yeah, there is. There, But the issue is people want... To work with everybody. No, they want the people who are at, who are the best at what they do to charge yeah. at their level of income. Right. right. And then do you also think that stylists don't want to miss out on people so they want to work Absolutely. with everybody? Absolutely. Because the yeah. other end of the spectrum that the consumer doesn't understand is that most hairstylists, and I tell my students this all the time, I'm like, y'all are horrifying with money. I'm not saying I'm an accountant, but y'all are absolutely horrifying. Like, they live from week to week. Like, hairstyles make Why do you think that money. is? Is it because the money comes so quickly and it does. a lot of it is cash? And we're not taught to manage money in school. We're taught to make money in school. We're mm. not taught to man. No one talks about money management in school. Yeah. They're just like, this is how you make it. They'll even put it on a board and do the mat on, like, retail and all of that stuff. Yeah. But they do not teach you how to keep it, right? So if I'm making, on a low end, right, if I'm making $2,000 a week, right, I know next week I'm getting $2,000 more, right? right? But no one's ever taught me how to manage my money, and I'm not forward thinking either, mm. right? I'm going to blow this money, especially in our culture where you have you know, in my city, we called him the pie man. The pie man coming in, selling gumbo, selling macaroni and cheese plate, like mm-hmm. with with chicken, and you know, selling jambalaya, selling cake. Right. You know, I even had a lady walk the salon I was working at. She was selling like uh, corsets, mm. and I went and tried one on and bought it too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like but we, you have all kinds of people walking in your your space, right? Whether you own a salon or not. Selling things. And you're like, oh, well, I made this today. You know, mm-hmm. I don't mind spending this $70 on this. But you're not, right. you know, and I think you can you can kind of back this up. It's not the big purchases that do you, and it's the small ones. Mm-hmm. You know, because you plan Those for big purchases. small ones are a beast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A, you don't even realize. No, I've, I've, I've had people say, I don't understand why I don't have money. It's not like I'm buying Louis bags every day. <laughs> yeah, but you, you want Instacart? You want Uber Eats? You on DoorDash, <laughs> and you're buying stuff that you know you could have got up to go get. It's true. And I've done that too, right? Yeah. So that meal that could have cost you six dollars cost you twenty. Twenty. I'm thirty, to be honest with yeah. you. I'm thirty because Uber Eats got kind of. If you remember Uber Eats in the beginning, there was no tip, there was no uh, yeah. extra charges, so they they got you hooked. Yes. And then they hit you with all these other yes. service fee delivery. We're off topic, but. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I had to, um, but that's, but it's relevant in my industry because when you're working behind the chair, especially if you don't bring your lunch with you or you don't Mm -hmm. think beforehand, once you get hungry, you're going to Uber eat something. You're going to DoorDash something. You're not thinking about the money. You're like, oh, I made this today. It's cool. I could do this. You know, Mm -hmm. it's cool. I could do this. You know, one of the things, and I'm not saying that I don't ever Uber eat, but one of the things that I did do is start curtailing my spending with that. I started leaving a gift card on my Uber Eats account. I remember you telling me that. Yeah, I started leaving a gift card on there so that it's like when that gift card runs out, it's done. Like, yeah. 
it's done. I'll add more money next month, not mm -hmm. this month, right? But it also let me visually see what I was spending on Uber Eats, right? right? And it also, I did the same thing with Starbucks. Mm. Let me see it, right? Because at one point, I was the person waking up every morning going to Starbucks, uh, Uber Eats and DoorDash and often, right? And then it just, me for me, if I keep swiping my card too much, I get this feeling in my soul. And I'm like, mm -mm. Yeah. like <laughs> yeah. you're doing a lot. Mm -mm. Wait till you get married. If yeah, you get married. <laughs> right, if. <laughs> just wait if, if that if you want that to happen and then you you get that feeling for your spouse <laughs> i know he's swiping somewhere <laughs> yeah another it's, amazon box shout yeah. out to rita i, I love you <laughs> yeah you better shout out <laughs> correct that <laughs> i got your back rita i got your back right um but yeah so it's the money management and believe mm -hmm. it like i've had i've done webinars uh, online trainings, free online trainings for hairstylists a lot. Yeah. I've had from 300 something on at one time to 60, 50 people at one time, right? Yeah. And I always ask the question, are you, how are you, are you managing your money? And the, it's the comments always look the same. Right. No, I'm horrible with it. No, no, no. And I tell them, you know, it's a judgment free zone, but I'm right. making you aware of it mm -hmm. because you will never retire from behind that chair if you're living every 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 week week to week because yeah. those weeks turn into months those months turn into years right. and you'll look back and you're like i have nothing literally show for it. destroyed my body yeah <laughs> you know, and i have nothing to show for it from standing on my feet because y'all are athletes professional athletes i don't think y'all realize that no. stylists y'all are athletes y'all are standing on your feet day after day working with your hands Right, some of you have carpal tunnel and you don't even realize it, okay. right? And y'all are athletes, so y'all should definitely be charging more. But at the same time, I want to talk about this, right? What would you say to the women that say, okay, the stylists that are, a lot of them that are charging more, their service is still the same or it's decreased? If it's decreased, that's a problem, right? Um, I'm a firm believer in customer experience. Mm. I'm a firm believer in being fair to the customer, right? But not fair how they think it is, right? right. I'll explain it to you. If you're if you're a paying customer, let me let me clarify. If you're a paying customer, I'll explain it to you, right? right? But to just arbitrarily explain my processes to somebody else, like I don't owe you that, right? right. Um, I believe stylists do need to change their uh, customer experience. And I say that on my page too, like, if you are habitually late to your appointments, why? Right. Like, being late every now and then, understandable, right? Life happens. I give my clients a 15-minute grace period, right? They don't get charged till after 15 minutes. I know a stylist that she says that it depreciates, like, like whatever deposit they have, like, mm -hmm. it, within that 15 minutes, if it's oh, five wow. minutes, then it you know, depreciates oh, wow. it, and then it depreciates it all the way to the end, but go ahead. And then you have to pay the whole yeah. <laughs> That'll get them in, yeah. right? But I don't have problems with clients being late, right? right? Um, when I did have my assistant, I would have my assistant open the salon. She would be there 30 to 15 minutes before we open. She would open the salon, and she would be there waiting to get their shampoo service mm. started, right? I'm currently looking for another assistant. Um, but I get there on time right. for my client, right? So I believe in respecting people's time because I want you to respect my time. But like, 
that being habitually late, canceling on people without an explanation or right. anything like that, I don't believe in that. Like, mm -hmm. you shouldn't even be behind a chair, honestly, because this is a hustle for you. However you treat your business, that's how other people are going to treat their business. Mm -hmm. be your, treat your business. And I can honestly say... I have really good clients. You mm -hmm. know, I've throughout the years I've had my mishaps with people threatening to sue me, threatening all this other stuff, right? Um, but for the most part, I have really, really good clients. They show mm -hmm. up on time. You know, if there's a uh, you show up on time, it's like you you respect the person, but you're probably also excited, right? To come right. Get your hair done. You exactly know? right. Especially you know they get wine. I serve them wine. You they, get them drunk. Okay. Yeah, they get complimentary wine. All you can drink. I love it. Okay. I'm from New Orleans. I mean, what? That's true. <laughs> it wouldn't be right without it, right? Right. They get wine, they get water. Um, I try to set the atmosphere with candles and all mm -hmm. that other stuff. And they, my clients really, really, really do appreciate the extra effort that's mm -hmm. put in um, outside of just getting their hair done. Mm -hmm. The customer experience means a lot. So the in, in, that, in that regard, consumers are correct. They should be getting that value for their money when they mm -hmm. come in. Um, I think... If you are, my, my advice to people who, you know, because they have some people that literally are late for everything in life. Right. It doesn't matter. It's not just their business. They just late. My advice to them is get a assistant who is on time. Right. Who, like who will be like there that. to start the service. Right. When, you know, my assistant, the one that was with me for like two and a half years, she had gotten so good at it that their apartment was start at nine. I wouldn't have to get to work till 11. Right. And by the time I got there, they were ready for me. So, but she would be there on time, but it was something that I required of her. Mm -hmm. Like, this but is... But you're able to hire someone because you charged properly. Facts. So you had the money. Facts. Versus charging very cheap. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Now you're doing all the work yourself. You can't even grow. You can't even bring people in. Create right. opportunities. Facts. That's the, that's the one thing I really love about entrepreneurship is the opportunities that you can create. Right, right. Like, imagine a hairstylist working somewhere else. And she would be perfect with you, but she just doesn't know who you are. And you also don't have the budget to bring her in. Right. But if you had the means to bring her in, she would gel within your establishment and she would propel you to that next level. Right. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. I mean, and then even my assistant, I would ask her often. I'm like, what do you want to do with your life? Like, do you just want to work with me for the rest of your life? Or do you, right. what do you want to do? Cause I'm, I would tell them like I don't expect you to be here. That's amazing. Cause most people are greedy. <laughs> you know, most people are like I'm not gonna put that in that person's career. I don't want them to leave. I want them to be here forever. Yeah, you no, know? I, ex I like even my my uh, stylist that just left. Um, I had that conversation with her. We were out. Um, I think we were in Maryland teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, she was assisting me, and I asked her, I was like, "Are you happy at the salon?" She was like, "Yeah." She's like, I love it, though. Like, I'm like, yeah. you know, what do you want to do? Do you plan on leaving anytime soon? Like, what are your aspirations? What do you want to specialize in? And she shared it with me mm. because I don't believe in trying to hold people there. Like, if you want to stay, glad, I'll gladly have you, right? right. Um, if, you're, if you're a quality employee, right. I'll gladly have you, right? Yeah. But if you have bigger aspirations, I'm also a firm believer in helping you achieve those goals. Right. And I think it uh, has a lot to do with the fact that when I got in this industry, there I had very, very little guidance, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I, I try to be the boss that I wanted. Right. This has been an amazing conversation. I feel like you have such a wealth of knowledge. And I feel like, well, you told me earlier that you do have a coaching program mm -hmm. and you mentor 
different ladies, you know, on how to not only just do hair, but to actually have a business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I feel like that's what's missing with a lot of people, not just in the hairstyling industry, but just in general, in entrepreneurship, yeah. right? Yeah. We are great at what we do, right? We can cut hair good. We can style hair good. We can prepare a tax return amazingly. But then we don't necessarily have the knowledge on how to run an actual business and how to make the client experience good, how to have good customer service, how to be professional, you know, all the things that will allow you to increase your price, mm -hmm. right? Which will allow you to attract better clientele as well. Right, right, right. Right, right the better entrepreneur that you are, people out there see that. Yeah, yeah. Right, and then the people that you really want to work with are attracted to you. Mm -hmm. And then now you can repel the people that you don't want to work with by increasing the price. Basically, that's exactly what happened. Right. <laughs> So, I so think that's why I get your, so much flag on my pricing post. But yes, talk about your your coaching program. So um, I have an academy called uh, Shade Studio Online Academy, mm -hmm. um, and we talk about everything from business structure to business credit um, to technical skills. Actually, behind the chair, um, we well, talk about business credit too. Yeah, wow. I actually had um, Shelly Jones come in nice. and do a business credit. Uh, class she was she was she actually still is a hairstylist okay but she also does business credit too mm -hmm. and she wants to teach hairstylists how to do business credit well, I'm gonna say wants to she she's doing it right nice. um so I bought her in because hairstylists and barbers have this thing where they don't like hearing information from people that's not like in them the, in the, yeah right I mean I think it's weird um but I also understand it it's kind of like what do you mean when you say not like them? What does that mean? Not that, hairstylists, that not, not barbers, right? Because the the okay. idea is you're not behind this chair, so you don't understand, understand the right? Like I'm tired when I get off work. Right. I don't have time for this, and I don't have time for that. It's not really that you don't have time; you won't make time, right? What about listening to someone that used to be behind the chair, but successfully got it from? They'll listen to them. They'll listen to them. Okay. They'll listen to them. It's just the people that they feel like you don't experience what I experience. So how can mm -hmm. you tell me because you're not? Here, right? And I, I can say that from experience mm -hmm. because as a blogger, the hairstylist that I did befriend, I would always give them business ideas and they'd be like, but girl, there's so much behind this chair. And I and I, I thought they were making excuses. And it's not that it's not an excuse, but it is actually a valid point because you are wiped out. Yeah. Right? Um, but that also comes with pricing, financial decisions. If I'm gonna be your therapist, I need more money. <laughs> And that's that's part right. of being the stylist right. barber. Like, right, you got, right. You are someone that I can talk to. Right, right, Even right. Even though I don't want to, you might be styling and you don't want to talk, but you yeah. got to entertain that conversation. I've had people burst into tears in my chair, and it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to do with this emotion, but I'll try. You know, <laughs> you know, because I'll try, I try. Um, but it, it, on top of that, like. You taking, you know, I, I remember when I was teaching at a, a a hair school one time, I asked my students, like, what is your uh, goal for clients a day? And I had two men in my cosmetology class, right? And one of them told me he wanted to Wait, wait, take... you take men students as well? Yes, I do take barbers. Barbers. Oh, nice. um, and they are male cosmetologists right, that, right, you right. know, like the crap. But Definitely. they were, I was teaching the cosmetology course like at a school and okay. they were two of my students I had two guys in there nice. who were getting cosmetology licenses right and I asked one of them I said what do you plan on doing when you get out of school like what is your target clientele he planned on doing 25 heads for $30 mm. a piece mm. and I said are you serious right now 
He was like, I'm serious. So what I do is, a huge thing that I do with my coaching is I make them do the numbers. Right. Um, I'll tell them, like, look, if you're charging, and this is super low end, if you're charging $20 for a consultation, on average, how many new clients do you get a month? Okay, you tell me 30, right? What? No, if you're not charging, I'm sorry, if you're not charging for consultations, if you implement charging $20, you get on average 30 new clients a month. That's $600 a month that you're letting go out the window because you're not charging. And that's on the low end. Right. Because my consultations aren't $20. But when I started off, they were. Right. When I started charging, when I got the idea to do it. Um, but I, I give them that realistic number because it's like, in your mind, you can take 25 people. Mm-hmm. But the, your body cannot take that. Mm. Like, your body cannot take that. Especially, I'm pretty sure a lot of you stylists and barbers, after you stop for the day, you're probably going out that night too, having a blast, and you gotta come. Y'all are athletes. Facts, facts. Athletes. I've had days where I couldn't walk the next day. I remember specifically remember when I was still doing braids. I was on my feet for like ten hours straight, no, no breaks, right? And I woke up and I couldn't walk. I took the braids off my menu that day. Wow. I was like, I'm never doing this again. Wow. Never doing this. I'm done. Here's the thing too, though. I think. Because we've all charged cheap, right? <clears throat> right, and I think we look at it from the standpoint of, well, if I was working a job, let's say I don't know McDonald's or somewhere, I would be making X amount of dollars per hour. Right. But I'm here. I get to make twenty dollars or twenty-five dollars per hour. Remember back in the day, it was like ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Growing up, yeah. my haircut was ten dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it was. You could you could charge. I'm charging twenty to twenty five dollars per head. Mm-hmm. I get to control my uh, schedule, and I get to be independent. No one tell me what to do. Right. So you're looking at it from that standpoint of okay, that's more money than what I would be making right. at a job like that. But then at some point, something goes off in your mind. It's like okay, I've been doing this at the same level year after year, and I'm not able to take vacations. There are barbers that don't take vacations because when they come back, their clientele is gone. Right. And I would think that happens in the styling industry, possibly. Yeah, it's kind of. A, but you know what? Actually, yeah. But men are more loyal than women. Men are more loyal than women. Mm-hmm. Okay. Women are tend to be ch- chair hoppers. Okay. Not you, all of them. Let's say that for the next time, but yeah. <laughs> I, but I'm saying I'm making a point. I'm yeah. saying like. It, it can't happen, but it's not necessarily the issue. Is really not that you can't find people. It's yeah. financial. Ma- it's money management. Right, but but like I was saying though, right? Like when we look at it from that standpoint of this is more money than what I'm used to. Right. Then now it's like you're not even thinking about wait. I need to grow. Right. I, I need Forward to be able thinking. to. I need to be able to make enough money to where I can have time for myself and my family right. because. You might be a single person without any kids or like a spouse at that moment when you start the business, but life happens. Right. You right. might end up having a child. You might end up getting married. Right. You know, doing all these things, and now you can't operate it the same way at when all. you were single and had all this time. Yeah. Also, we get older. Facts. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And now your body doesn't operate the same way that it was when you were 18 or 19, and you could just do whatever to your body, right. beat it up. You know, so. I think a lot of times we look at it from that perspective of, you know, hey, this is more money than what I'm used to. But then when they run into people like you that can coach them and say, you need to increase your prices. Here's another thing, too, that we got to factor in the mindset, right? right? The confidence. Right. Because increasing your prices 
requires a certain level of confidence. Right, right. Certain it, level of audacity, I call it. Audacity as well. Yes. <laughs> audacity, that's what I right. call it. Um, and and that is that is very true. But I I always tell people, knowledge kills fear. Mm. Knowledge kills fear. The reason you're scared is because you feel like you don't know. Right. But if you go increase your knowledge, you, that fear will go away, right? Right. So I often get people that say, because for some reason, you know, and I'm sure you've experienced this. People see your chapter ten. And they're like, but you got, you can take this right. class and you can do this. You can afford this, right? right. A $1,500 class is no longer expensive to me, right? Mm -hmm. But there was a time when it was, right? right? Yeah. But I didn't let that get in my way. One thing I teach my students as far as mindset is concerned is like, how bad do you want it? We live in a gig society, right? right? You don't, Okay, let's say there is a, for example, the, at the time when I took this class, I got to spend like $2,000 on this class. At the time... That was the most money I had ever spent on a class, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have the money on hand, but mm -hmm. I started doing DoorDash. I started doing Uber Eats. Hustling. I started doing uh, grocery delivery. I did whatever I needed to do. I found payment plans for airfare. Um, I found out how to, I did like the price line, you know, the price line, um, not the express deals, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I was finding really good hotels for like $60 a night. Right. Now, mind you, with the express deals, they don't tell you where you're going. Right. <laughs> tell right. you, pick it. But yeah. they also tell you, but they do tell you whether it's going to be a four-star, three-and-a-half star, and at the bottom, they tell you the the similar quality, mm. right? I was getting hotels like in Chicago on the waterfront for like yeah. $60 a night and stuff like that. So I think it's... Like you said, mindset, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to let the fact that the money wasn't there stop me because in this society, all I have to do is download an app and sign up. Right. And boom, I got the money. Most hairstylists, uh, most classes are set up to where you just pay your deposit mm -hmm. and then you uh, go take the class and you pay the remaining balance. So you got time to save up. Right. You got time to save up. All you got to yeah. do is do the math. How much money do I need? Right. Okay, if it's not coming in behind the chair... What do I need? What kind of hustle do I need to do to get it? Because if you fully believe knowledge will kill your fear, then you'll go get it. Right. Mm, but if you... If you fully believe knowledge will kill your fear, you're going to go out there and get it. Damn, I have some good quotes. You really do. <laughs> this is good. We got to do a part two at some point if you're open to that. Cool. Because I feel like there's a lot of things that we still haven't covered. Yeah. That's going to really help a lot of people in the industry and just yeah. people in business in general. Right. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Yes, you guys can find me at Strawberry Curl, Strawberry with an I, not a Y, everything. Um, if you Google me, I will come up. So Strawberry Curls, all of my social media handles are the same. Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, TikTok, I'm the Strawberry Curls. Somebody stole my name on there. Look at um, I know, right? It's shady. <laughs> she doesn't even post anything. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but it's strawberry curls with an I and not a Y. Um and feel free to email, shoot me an email. Um info at strawberrycurls.com. Um if I don't respond, someone else will. And if someone wants to become like a student of you, how do they just yes. contact you through there? So well? no, so my um academy, I have enrollment periods. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just click it and sign okay. up, right? But you have a wait um, list maybe? Yeah, we have, you can okay. sign up for the email list. Um, I, I do a lot of free trainings. Like I have a free round brush training coming up and I do that one every month. Um, so that can be found actually on my Instagram page. It's always in the link in my bio. So I love it. That. Gabby said, look, this ain't open enrollment. 
I'm gonna make y'all wait. And on top of that, because I know my worth and my value, and I'm not, you ain't about to have me going crazy out here, right? So we appreciate you for coming on. I know this has been a discussion that we've had for a long time. Yeah, it and, is. And it finally crazy. happened. And we're here now. Yes. It's wild. Yes. So thank you for all the knowledge that you gave. Thank to, you for having me. To everybody. And we appreciate you. This is another classic. I just keep dropping classic after classic <laughs> after classic. It's another classic episode of A Figure Focus. And until next time. <laughs>